I don't listen to the news. It just annoys me no end. <laughs> and I don't want to discuss politics because I hate that more than anything. But I do want to talk about today a subject that needs a biblical point of view put to it, and that's races. Or as they like to say now, uh, racism is their big cry. They're always crying racism. And so I want to talk about the biblical point of view of races, where they came from, how they came to be, looking at the biblical point of view um, and think about uh, what happened, why we view the world the way we do today. And then we'll get to just a little bit about today's thinking. Um, I'm going to start in uh, the book of Genesis. And something happens in the Bible that we tend to, to not notice a lot, but it does happen. And uh, it's because we don't think about it the way it happens. Uh, Adam and Eve were the first two people. That's what the Bible says. There are people who believe differently. Those people have no basis to stand on. They're entirely making a wild guess. We don't do that. We go by what the Bible says. The Bible says that God created Adam and Eve and that Eve was the mother of all living. All right, she was the mother of all living. That means the first woman to bear children. They lived to be some 900 years old, and you can have a lot of babies in that time. <laughs> the Bible is interested in two things the beginning of sin, where it came from, and then the beginning of salvation. And so the Genesis account is the beginning of sin and the beginning of salvation. It doesn't really show any interest in what we call racist. But there, we do know some things today that they didn't used to know. We know about something called DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid. That is, we have in us this uh, chemical structure that carries with it who we are and that Adam and Eve's DNA had every human possibility in it alright so if the entire uh, world population came from two people then every possibility was in their DNA and so uh, that's where it starts from Adam and Eve uh, f had Extraordinary bodies, okay, live to be 900. Uh, you, some of you are in your 80s. How you feel? Like, ready to go? <laughs> imagine being 900. Obviously, they were superior people. And nothing like us. Superior people. All right? And God made them that way. And for a long time, people lived to be uh, 900, 800, even almost 1,000 years old. Which is amazing, all right? And so they had a tremendous uh, DNA pool in those first parents. 
<clears throat> and then along came right away, as we said, uh, uh, Cain and Abel. And we know that uh, they had uh, an argument, not really an argument. God said it's time to make sacrifices. Abel brought a sheep and sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. Cain uh, brought his uh, fruits and vegetables that he had grown. And uh, God says, I don't want that Cain. And God said to him, if you do what's right, you shouldn't be mad about it anymore. He got all mad. You don't like me, you like Abel. And God said, just do what's right. It's not that hard. Do what's right, and you'll come out. Well, he wasn't going to. So he killed his brother Abel. All right. And so Cain kills Abel. And Cain then, it says, he went from the presence of the Lord. He left God to get away from Adam and Eve's influence. He just went off on his own and did his own thing. And you say, well, what's all that got to do? Nothing. Nothing. Because uh, the world population went so quickly down into sin that God said, they got to get rid of them. They got to go. And so the entire population is wiped out. But we start with Adam and Eve, and we are all related to them. And then comes the flood as we wipe out the entire population of the world. And then we are down to Noah and his family. Noah and his family. So as somebody once said, we are all related to a thieving gardener and a drunken sailor. All right. Adam was the thieving gardener who took the fruit he wasn't supposed to. And Noah, after the flood, tells us that he got good and drunk because he made himself some wine. And he got good and drunk. And in that instance, a very bad thing happened. Very bad thing happened. God is extremely displeased with it. And so there are three sons of Noah. Uh, Japheth and Shem and Ham. Now Adam had a son named Seth and Seth's line leads to Noah. And then Noah's three sons are Japheth, Shem, and Ham. So we (coughs) come down to now that we're all related to, to one of these uh, three sons, and they are going to go and populate the earth. So let's take a look at that. Uh, Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. We're tracing the history of mankind to show where people came from. And the Bible says we all came from the same people. The world is full of people who say, no, 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 that didn't happen. We're going by the biblical explanation, all right? And there it's given to us here. Uh, chapter 10 and verse number 5. By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided into their lands, everyone after his tongue, after their families, in their nations. And so we start with the sons of Japheth. And Japheth family... He said, we're divided. And that word comes up over and over again. They were divided. 
Now it doesn't say exactly whether they just divided because they <clears throat> wanted to get away from each other, which is some of the cases is the thing. But I think there was a little bit more than that. There's probably an agreement. All right, my family is going to go north. All right, get out of here and you all go north. And that's what uh, Japheth did. And the Bible calls it uh, the islands, which is Europe. That's Europe. It's called the islands. You say, well, that's not an island. Well, in their minds, it's somewhere across the ocean must be an island. Okay? And so uh, Europe was called the islands in the Bible. And so uh, Japheth's family goes up and becomes European there's where the European people came from. Uh, verse number 8 now, chapter 10, verse number 8. Cush, and now these are the sons of Ham. Verse 6, the sons of Ham. In verse 8, Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And Uruk and Avakad and Caleb in the land of Shinar. And so uh, the sons of Ham uh, are going to come over into this area over here and make a place called Babel. Babel is the name of their kingdom that he sets up. Those are the descendants of Ham. And it says that they go over into uh, that spot and... Uh, Verse 11, out of the land went forth Asher, builded Nineveh, and the city of Rehoboth and Calah. And so one of the two famous cities of the ancient world, Babylon, Babel, and Nineveh, one of the most ancient cities of all times was Nineveh, and those two cities were established by Ham. And Nineveh would be somewhere right there. All right? So Japheth's descendants go up into Europe. Ham's descendants are here. And they're going to be moving. All right. And then we come to uh, verse 19 of chapter 10. And Peleg lived after he got Rao 209 years and begot sons and daughters. Let's see, I'm on chapter 11. That won't work. Chapter 10, verse 19. The border of the Canaanites was from Sidon that cometh to Gerar unto Gaza, as I go to Sodom and Gomorrah and Amasin and so forth. These are the sons of Ham after their families, after their tongues and their countries, and into their nations. And so Ham has a, a grandson, actually, called Canaan. Canaan, he's a son. And Canaan becomes the father of the Canaanites. Canaanites are pretty famous in the Bible because they settled in and around Jerusalem. Uh, and there was about seven different groups there. And they were the descendants of Canaan. And Ham was the one who did a terrible thing to his father Noah. Right? And so God shamed him. And then Canaan, his grandson, comes along, becomes the father of the Canaanites. And when 
the children of Israel come out of Egypt, God says, go up there, promised land. I want them all dead. I don't want any more descendants of Canaan left. So kill the entire population of the Canaanites. Because God said their cup of iniquity is full. They have sinned to the point where I won't have it anymore. And when I decide it's over, I'm not going to take it anymore. They got to go. And so Joshua comes in and he wipes out Canaanite. He left a few, which was a mistake. All right. He left a few. Should have got them all. They were the ones who were taking newborn babies and throwing them in a fire for Baal. Right? Their entire worship system was prostitution. It's what they did. And God said, that's it. I'm, I, I don't want these people on the earth anymore. He had wiped out those first group in the flood. And now Canaanites, the descendants of Ham, who live in what would later be called Israel or the promised land, God says, no, no, we're not going to have those people. They need to die. And so those are the descendants of Ham. All right. Now, chapter 10, verse 31. These are the sons of Shem after their families, after their tongues and their lands and their nations. These are the families of the sons of Noah after their generations in their nations. And by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood. So apparently there's an agreement among them. You go south, I'll go north, you go west, I'll go east. And they all move in different directions. Shem uh, has the smallest family of them all. You come down <coughs> from Shep a few generations and you meet a guy named Eber. And then you go another 150 years and there's a guy named Abraham. You've heard of him. He's a descendant of Shem. And Abraham becomes known as a Hebrew. All right, his great, 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 great grandfather was Eber. They call him, he's a Heber, or he's a Hebrew. All right, so they are the descendants of Shem, the Jews. So Shem's descendants are the Jews. Canaan, uh, or I mean, uh, Japheth says he's going to have lots of descendants. They filled Europe with the descendants of uh, Japheth. Shem is a very small group, and they become the chosen ones, the Jews. And Ham becomes this other group, and they're under the curse of God. Now, Genesis chapter 9, something I want you to see here. Genesis chapter 9, in tracing these, what we might call races, I don't call them races. That's not really what the Bible says they are. All right? The Bible says... They're families. And isn't that what people are to this day? They're still all families, right? We're all part of a family, like it or not. You're part of a family. We're all part of a family. Now, chapter 9, verse 25. And Noah woke from his wine, knew what his younger son had done to him. That's Ham. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brother, that is the descendants of Ham, 
going down to the grandson Cain and cursed are that is that group, and that's Ham's descendant. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, Canaanite shall be his servant. And so the Jews will dominate the Canaanites. Saw that. And then 27, God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Cana shall be his servant. And so uh, God says the, the Europeans, the uh, descendants of Japheth, are going to grow to be a very large number of people, and they will dwell in the tents of Shem. Well, that's an important comment as we go on, figured all this out. All right, and so uh, chapter 11 of Genesis uh, comes a real dividing, which God did. As these people all came up together, they all spoke the same language. And so God said, these people... When they're all the same language, they get together and they make bad plans. And they're going to defy God. And so they build a tower of Babel. And in Genesis 11, verse 6, the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language. They, this they begin to do. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Just like before the flood, it said everything they thought was evil all the time. Now after the flood, they're doing the same things. Let us go down there, confound their language, so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel because the Lord confounded the languages of all the earth and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad on the face of the earth. And so they tried to stick together. God said all you do is think bad things so I'm going to divide you. And so by language sends people out. If you can understand can you imagine being there with a great big crowd and all of a sudden you can't understand Oh, I understand you, but I don't understand you and you and you. So let's get together, because we know what we're talking about, nobody else does. And so on the Tower of Babel, God said, you divided yourself somewhat. I'm going to divide you completely. Because all you can think of is bad things to do. And so we have now the races spread out. Uh, We call them races. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, the Bible doesn't use that word. The Bible has a different uh, thing, of way of looking at it. And so uh, we have spread out now Europeans, the sons of Japheth, and the sons of Ham are south into Africa. And some people say that the word Ham meant dark. It meant dark. Which is probably, there's some truth in that. Uh, And you say, well, those people were dark-skinned. Look, as far as I'm concerned, as far as the Bible is concerned, there are no races. I understand there are not races. There are just people with different color skin. They are not races. We are all the same. And some people have more pigment in their skin than others. And so they're still all humans, entirely the same. The whole systems are the same. And they got more pigment. You say, well, how did that happen? Well, you, 
get people separated. People went way up north, went down that little peninsula called Norwegians. Now, see? And they all got to be the same. Blue-eyed, blonde hair. You go there and that's all you see is blue-eyed, blonde hair. If you see anybody who looks a little different, you say, well, they probably came from England or something. <laughs> not Norwegian, obviously. You say, how come you got red hair? Nobody knows. I don't know. <laughs> Vikings went all over. We don't ask. No. <laughs> you don't ask. But what happens is, it's an easier way to think about DNA is a, is a stupid dog. All right? So the first dogs look like wolves. What's in their DNA? Multitudes of possibilities. And so as you separate them out and take this characteristic and say we're going to make this a pure bred animal, you get a dog this high <laughs> called a Great Dane. Right? He's like a horse. I'm familiar with one. <laughs> And he stepped on me the other day. I said, that's like a horse stepping on me. <laughs> then there's a dog this big. Where do they all come from? They all come from the same DNA pool. And as we separate and separate and separate, they, these certain characteristics come out. They say, we're going to keep them purebred. So my grandmother said, you marry a Norwegian, don't go marrying a Swede. <laughs> keep them all purebred. All right, but that's... How, you say, well, the black people are a different race. They're not. They're human race. The only race called human. And they're not different. And so when somebody's shouting nowadays, uh, racism, racism, they certainly have no concept of the beginning of the human race as explained to us in the Bible. They don't get it. They come from an entirely different thing. And so, so in the Bible, we're all from the same Gene pool, we all have the various things that came to us right from Adam, right from Noah. And, and uh, so humans are humans, and God doesn't see any color there. And so <clears throat> what happens is Jesus Christ comes. God comes down to the world. And he says... So send I you. Where do we hear that? <laughs> I'm sending you to go into all the world. And in Matthew 28, the last chapter of Matthew, is what we call the Great Commission, or what God said to do, Jesus said before he left. Uh, Great Commission, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came, spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, all these ones that are divided all over, teach them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to deserve all the things whatsoever I have commanded you. So God, Jesus said, Go. I want you to go. And so they start to go. And the first ones to go is a fellow by the name of Paul. And he's got a friend named Barnabas. And he's got another friend named Silas. And Paul and Silas and Paul and Barnabas go up here. 
and they're still in Asia Minor, and they get what's called the Macedonian call. Or that is, uh, God says, I'm going to give you a dream, Paul. You got to respond to it. And in his dream, he sees a guy from Macedonia. That's Greece, if you don't know. It's, it's European. And this European is going, come, we want to know the truth. He wakes up, says, I'm going to Macedonia. We're going to Greece. And so the gospel starts in Jerusalem with the crucifixion, resurrection of Christ. And right away, they start going and they go north. And they come up to Asia Minor and they cross over for the first time into Greece. Now they are in the descendants of Japheth. They're in the European population. Pretty soon they go on to Rome. All right, and so Paul and Silas and a, and a host of other people follow him up into Europe. And now the descendants of Japheth dwell in the tents of Shem. Shem's family was a Jewish race, a Jewish people, and they had God's truth. God gave to that nation, that family, really truth. And they said, eh, we don't want it. Because we don't like Jesus. Throw out. Throw it out. And so they said, well, we'll take it to somebody that wants it. We're going to Europe. And so the descendants of Japheth in Europe now become the holders of the truth that the descendants of Shem rejected. And so now the largest population, which is European, is now the holder of truth. They hold the truth. And you say, well, there's racism for you. The Europeans got it. No, it's not. Use your head. Think just a minute. Acts, let's see. Paul goes up, crosses into Europe. There's another guy named Philip. And Philip is preaching and God says, go out in the middle of the desert. I got you to go right now. Where do you want me to go? Nowhere. Go in the middle of nowhere. Goes out in the middle of nowhere. And there's a guy riding a chariot reading his Bible. And Philip said, what are you reading? I'm reading Isaiah chapter 53, and I don't get it. Who's this person? I'll tell you about Jesus. He tells him about Jesus. And he accepts Jesus, and he's Ethiopian. He's African. He's African. He's a descendant of Ham. Jesus said, go into all the world. Some people went up to Europe and went in there. The descendants of Japheth. Some people went down to Africa and became descendants of Ham. And so the gospel said, there's no borders or boundaries that matter to us. He's the king. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. I got all power. I run the whole show. We're going to Africa too. And so the beginning of Christianity is the spread into the world. It goes north up to Europe and it comes across Europe, goes south into Africa. Thomas, who we always laugh at and say, that poor dummy didn't believe. Oh, he believed. He went to India. 
Thomas went to India. So they have covered the known world between the apostles. It's believed that Peter ended up over, well, didn't end up, but went all the way to Spain. And it is believed that Joseph of Arimathea, who buried Jesus, went to England. Right, and so we got from England, Spain, across Europe covered, all the way to uh, Asia, India covered, and into Africa covered as the gospel goes. Now comes the year 300. It's the year 300. 300 years after Christ. Two events. <clears throat> Constantine marches on Rome takes over the Roman Empire. After he takes over the city of Rome, makes a statement. By the way, I am a Christian. And they say, oh, you are? Yeah, I am. So now this is going to be a Christian empire. And thus, in the tents of Shem, the Europeans become the major force for the gospel and the truth. All right. Down in Africa, the year 300. What happens there? Well, there's a guy down there. And those of you who are avid readers, I know some of you are, have read the Confessions of St. Augustine. I know you'll all run right out and buy it. You'll be bored. It's not easy reading. But it's wonderful. It's not easy. Uh, but one of the great Christians of the early church is in Africa. His name is St. Augustine. He's in Alexandria. And Alexandria, Egypt, in Africa, becomes the major center for Christianity in Africa. And it holds that position and is known as the, the largest library in the ancient world. Held there, which held the books of, of uh, our Bible. Our Bible was there. So uh, we got the, the truth going everywhere, don't we? What happened? Let's move ahead a thousand years or maybe uh, 1,500 years. There's going to be a new movement. There's a new feeling coming. It starts in Europe. The descendants of Japheth who dwell in the tents of Shem, who have the truth. And that, those, those, that movement is what we would call the modern missionary movement. At the end of the 1700s and through the 1800s up to the 1900s, uh, England and America... A couple other places, but those two primary ones said, you know what, we're going to spread the gospel. So England sends them down all the way to India, the major spot where they send, and into Africa. Americans are over here, and they send to South America, they go over to China, and they go into Africa. And they send missionaries all over the world, wherever they think it will do them the most good. It's a major, vibrant movement of God. As he said, we're going to send these people who 
have not had what they have. You Europeans are going to spread it. And so it spreads all over and becomes one of the great movements in history as God is moving people uh, where he wants them. Now, Galatians chapter 3. If we're going to grasp this concept of the way God views people. And somebody says they're, they're, everybody's a racist. Well, no, not everybody is a racist. And we live in a society that wants people to hate. And so they encourage hatred. They encourage hatred. And they talk about hatred constantly. And you say, well, is it really true? Well, yeah, I was about... I'd say seven years old. I was in a church just on this next road over there, and we had this preacher come. I remember him for two reasons. One is that he screamed at the top of his lungs. So I'm seven years old, six or seven. So he starts screaming, and I do this. My mother doesn't like that. (laughs) Joe, don't do that. And I'm thinking, he's screaming at us. Why can't I just cover my ears? In the car, later she goes, well, I'll tell you the truth, I wanted to cover my ears too. (laughs) There are some people who are trained as Christians to be angry. And they think you've got to scream your message. And he came and he screamed his message. The second time he came, I remember the second time particularly, because I remember him saying, I'm seven years old, maybe six or seven years old, and I still remember to this day, he said, the Negro's brain is only three quarters of what our brain is. Oh yes. Oh yes, there is such a thing as racism. All right? They never asked him back. If I'd have been in charge, I'd, he'd have been out by his ear, right out of the pulpit, walk down the aisle and say, get out of here. All right, you cannot preach hatred. It's, of course, obviously against what God wants. Right? But I heard it when I was a young boy. I heard it preached from a pulpit that that was supposedly true. You know that's a ridiculous statement all right and so there are such things as people who don't like you because of the color of your skin don't like you for whatever reason all right i don't care i always say i'm norwegian because they don't know what to do with that what do you do with that guy norwegian i don't know what to do with him you know we should maybe we should hate all norwegians well that doesn't make sense okay so Here's what the Bible says. It says it in many different ways, many different places, but I like what it says here. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 26. For you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. We're all one family. All right? Black, blue, sky blue, pink with purple polka dots. Whatever you are, we're all one family is what the Bible told us in the beginning. All right? For as many as you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. Doesn't matter if you're from Shem's family or Japheth's family or Ham's for that matter. There is neither bond nor free. Ham's family tended to be in bondage. Tended to be the truth about Ham's descendant. That they were in bondage. So it doesn't matter if you're bond or free. There is neither male nor female. Not even that registers in God's eyes. He looks at us as individuals. He doesn't say, well, there's a woman. I've got to think about her differently. No, 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 no. He sees you as individuals that he loves that are part of his family and his children. For you are all one in Christ. And so the hatred message which comes out all the time in today's world, racism, racism, racism. Don't buy it. Don't believe it. There, what Jesus said was judge not lest you be judged. And then he said the way you judge other people is the way they're going to judge you. And so people who are coming along and saying racism, racism, racism are going to, passing their judgment, is going to turn back on them. All right? We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. That's not what we're here for. To turn back their judgment on them? No, no, no. Because in our eyes, if we look through Christ's eyes, it doesn't even matter if you're a male or female, if you're Norwegian or whatever. Nothing matters because it's all individual in God's loving eyes. So that's the biblical story with a little history that tells us that racism is a real thing. Okay, but it doesn't have to be. God never intended it to be that way. God says in the church of Jesus Christ, it is not going to be. It is not there. Okay? When I heard it as a kid, I was seven years old. I said, I bet you that's not right. And then on the way home, <laughs> my father had a few comments on the side, <laughs> which I won't repeat. <laughs> but he got his point across. Uh, that's not who we are. We are not who we are. That's not what we're going to embrace. And we're not going to get caught in that battle. We are not going to get caught in that battle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.